I once bought Anna Mayhem cards and I said, these are the cheapest packs of cards I've ever bought. And then the store owner said, nope, these are. And he gave <laughs> me all their Babylon 5 trading cards. For <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, welcome to Pen Pen Pals, uh, episode 21 of Darling in the Franks. I'm Alex. This is Brian. And hey, it's Ben. And this week we have a returning guest and a new guest he brought with him. Hayden is returning. And Hayden, do you want to intro your guest of a guest? Yes, I'm back again. <laughs> and I've brought with me my one of my co-hosts from We're Bad at Games, Patrick Cusimano. Yeah, happy to be on Penguin Pals. Uh, okay, so we haven't met Patrick. Patrick, do you have anime experience? Like, do you have any formative anime stuff you really like? Or have you never seen that, an anime? That, that's a, a throwback question. Do you have any formative experience with anime? We used to ask all of our guests <laughs> the question in that exact way. I've had formative experiences and I've had anime experiences. I don't know about the overlap. No Venn diagram. There's no like sweet spot in the middle. Okay. So if you had to say you've had anime experiences, if you had one anime experience that you thought changed your life more than anything else, what would it be? I think Zoids did the most because it made me drive around on my little bicycle and smack my brother while I'm on it, pretending that I'm in Liger. <laughs> nice. And throw him off his bike. It might have been more formative for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or deformative, depending on how bad the fall was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, Zoids has kind of an interesting history in both anime and comics. Mm. So, you know, the Zoids toys were wildly popular in Japan. There's like much more exotic stuff than you'd be able to find in the U.S. And there was an anime that was, eh, okay. But uh, the Zoids comic book in the U.S., Man, it's got a weird history. There was one time when Zoids was the number one best-selling comic book in history, beating Spawn. Wow. For, for like a month? Yeah, and then Spawn knocked it off the pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, an esoteric sci-fi writer, Grant Morrison, also wrote a few issues of Zoids. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Spit take. Yep. Jeez. Brian, you know so much. Just about Zoids. Yeah. <laughs> well, just those two facts about Zoids. Yeah. I did my research on you, Patrick. <laughs> I knew what you were going to say. That's the one uh, anime other than like Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh that I watched. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. And then Hayden, what, what have you been up to? What's new? You came back for this season. Now we're on the other side of uh, like the midway point. How are you liking it so far? Anything new in your life? Anything new in my life? Um, there's some new anime in my life. <laughs> Ooh. So Darling of Franks was probably one of my top three. Uh, mm. I don't know if it's been pushed out, but I had something else creep in. Uh, I found it on Netflix. I had avoided it for so long because of the thumbnails. Didn't know if it was going to be just like a fan service, exploitive kind of anime, but it was Rascal Doesn't Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. <laughs> That's right. It was so good, uh, particularly for fans that like like the relationship side of Darling in the Franks. Um, the setting is very high school, but the drama is not melodramatic. Uh, it's like real relational healing and just interaction. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing new. Uh, I've just trying to gobble up as much as I can. 
All right. It's so interesting how the, the Netflix recommendations work. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that suggested to me. And it's, you know, it's like, it's not like I don't watch a bunch of anime on Netflix. So there's just so much stuff out there that. Yes, there's so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying about like the first impressions. It absolutely does look like an etchy. Yep. Uh, and that's also why I wasn't watching it. But I did catch the first episode. Uh, some YouTubers who I really respect were uh, covering it. Yeah, the first episode got me. Yeah. It's got layers like an onion. Big Ooh, sexy yes. onion. Yes. Or an ogre. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because right. the bunny girl part is gone after the first episode. It's no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. False advertising. Yeah. <laughs> it's the title. Uh anybody got any news, any cool stuff before I do last time on? And then we talk about this shit. Hmm. No deaths in the anime world this week. <laughs> there were, but every time I bring it up, it like totally kills the party mood. So we'll just let it be. No, fuck that. Oh, George Perez, <laughs> comic book artist, man. He's got inoperable cancer. He's like, oh, he was like so formative. Oh, there's that word again in the comic book world. Yeah, oh, man. It's just heartbreaking. Uh, any highlights? Any uh, big names he was known for? Uh, well, Crisis on Infinite Earths was probably oh, the biggest thing. Wow. Um, and he's an artist or a writer? Artist. Oh, wow. Uh, but he was put in the spotlight when he was just like a young, uh, I don't know what the industry term for it is, wasn't a contract artist at the time for Marvel, but did uh, pages for Avengers that were just so far beyond what uh, the industry uh, was producing in terms of like perspective and depth of field and just widescreen cinematic style choreography and composition that this person brought to the industry. Mm. Also known for like massive amounts of like tiny detail in backgrounds and, you know, like pages that you could just stare at for hours and still see something new every time. Whoa. Like Darling in the Franks. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. And like Zoids. <laughs> Last time on Last of the Klaxohicans, we met the new Nana, not quite same as the old Nana, who briefed the squad on their next underworld journey. Kokoro experienced morning sickness as her and Mitsuru's new relationship began its gestation along with their baby. The remaining Frank squads were treated to a very uncomfortable standing pep rally. Afterwards, the Nines tried to bring it on with Squad 13 like cheerleaders bullying the color guard, but Zero Two shut that shit down. Hero and Zero Two voiced their demands of freedom to the Ape Council and descended into the Earth's underwomb. Everything seemed to be tied up in a neat little package until the old gods gave us one Klaxo Queen to rule them all. Zero Zero One, with her newly combined Ekans and Arbok, made a beeline for Sirletsia, disabling it in one hit. The Klaxosaur Princess dispatched Zero Two and took Hero into the core of Star Entity as her sacrificial groom. But as soon as Star Entity activated, Ape sprung a failsafe, trapping the deific pair inside. Meanwhile, up on the surface, Squad 13 made a stunning realization. Klaxosaurs are people. Magma energy is people. Everything is people. Except for Papa and his vice chairman. In a stunning tone shift, the top apes were revealed to be disembodied energy aliens called Verm, returned to exact dominance or vengeance over the Earth. Will Zero Two uphold her promise? Will the adults rise up against the tyranny of Verm? Can Hero and Zero Zero One form a Klaxo-Homo alliance? Let's find out. Right. Um, oh, just so we're all on the same page. Patrick, you have not seen any Darling in the Franks? Correct. 
Right. No better time to jump in than episode 20, whatever. <laughs> right. yeah. Oh, see you. Okay, cool. Awesome. And Hayden, I think we gave you the heads up last time. Uh, this is Ben's first time through. Okay. Uh, so if there are spoilers that we'll discuss, we'll just wait till Ben uh, is making his exit. There can't Sounds be any good. more spoilers at this point, though. they can't have more twists it's just so you think yeah so you think ben (laughs) (laughs) the aliens were actually (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's scooby doing the game (laughs) yeah all right and we're already ben will count us all right uh three two one play this is verm's will star entity is a mass of life that could disturb yeah, this is so Gurren Lagan. Awesome. As such, if the Klaxosaur princess were to take over the implanting process, we programmed it to explode. Papa, it's all or nothing. So that kid just did a mind meld with the other girl. What is this? Just how long have you been alive? You've been living all by yourself since before humans existed? She said that I was a fake. What was that all about? She is the sole survivor of the Klexosapiens. And you are her clone. Many specimens were born, but failed to survive. You were the only success. Why are you here? You know as well as I do this isn't your squad's post. Leaving without permission can be considered disobeying orders. Return to your assignment. When Papa gives you an order, you follow it no matter what. That's meaningless at this point! The bomb is That going- doesn't matter. It's not your call to make. It's Papa's. And we can't get in touch with him, which means we're on our own! We have to analyze and make our own decisions! Our own decisions? Do you guys seriously think that you're special or something? Papa's words are absolute, you understand? I want to hear your take, Patrick, very much. (laughs) My main take is what the hell. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay, so how does it hold up compared to, say, Zoids? (laughs) More complicated, less complicated, more mechs, less mechs. Similar amount of mechs. It made me think mostly of Pacific Rim. Okay, okay, we're getting somewhere. Big mech suits that take two people to pilot fighting giant kaiju. Yes, very much so. Is that a pineapple in Ben's kitchen? It is. Ooh, a fresh pineapple. Yeah. Though maybe it will become a not fresh pineapple by the time I actually try to eat it. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) All right, great. Okay. (laughs) So what are we doing here? Are we jumping in? Yeah. So this is Verm's Will. This is, uh, uh, as we get this voiceover from... This super annoying Papa figure who is not Papa. He was lying to us all along. And we hear about this star entity thing, which is like not a mech, but a super giant mech, which is just like straight out of Gurren Lagann, right? I guess a lot of shows have done things like that. But this kind of scale does reek of trigger. Mm -hmm. And right off the bat, the first thing that uh, Verm does after really revealing itself is to kill all of the adults or not kill them but suck their souls up i guess they get absorbed into the collective right which made me think about so now we have these new purple enemies so does that mean like does is anything piloting these purple bad mech things monster things Mm. i don't think so i think they're just extensions of the mass 
oh, well, if I was a fascist leader, I would put the consciousnesses of my sucked up soul adults into the because they can't fight me anymore. So what are they going to do? No, they're just absorbed like into one big singular energy. There's no individuality anymore. They look like zombies and some of them didn't have heads. And then when one of them yeah. died, one that was next to it that didn't get hit also died at the same time. <laughs> so it reminded me of uh, episode one when all uh, Star Wars, when they took out the droid brain in the Trade Federation ship and then they were all broken. <laughs> <sighs> That's a design flaw. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so did they or will they ever explain why Berm didn't just suck up the souls of all the kids too? Hmm. I think it's only people who have the immortality surgery already. I don't know, mm-hmm. really, though. I think it, yeah. So so I guess we kind of assume that the stuff that they've done in controlling the humans somehow allowed them to now do this move. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. It Like, it feels to me like a devil's bargain kind of thing. Like, you could only really be sucked up if you gave over. Because we talk about later in the episode, the um, there's a whole bunch of exposition from the Klaxosaur princess. She's like, they came and they offered us mm. this stuff, and we were like, no, absolutely not. So, like, uh, I guess because the inhabitants of Earth refused them once before, this time Verm was like, okay, we can't come at them, like, straight. We have to sidle up to them, like become parts of their organizations, work our way up, and then we will unveil our plan when everything is, once they've already accepted us. Okay. And, and I guess Papa and um, uh, Hachi, they didn't do the immortality thing. And so that's why they- I mean, Dr. Franks, Franks and Hachi? Or, yes, yeah, sorry, Dr. Not Papa, Franks did Franks. not do yeah. the magma energy transfer. Okay. Oh, actually, that's a good point though, because Hachi is immortal. So- but Hachi, he should have been sucked but, up. Hachi was a kid like them. Yeah. He was a Frank. Oh, pilot. maybe he hasn't. Maybe it's only people who have lost their reproductive function because Hachi, Nana it was reverting back into, uh, what do you call it? Puberty. So like potentially she could uh, reproduce again, right? Yeah. And so maybe the same is true of Hachi. Mm. He's like effectively immortal, but it's not an irreversible procedure. Well, Hachi uh, was a Frank's pilot. Like he yeah. has to have all of his stuff intact for that to have worked. Yeah, but they don't need that anymore, right? I think he's okay. He didn't get sucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Let's, let's talk more uh, about Hachi's fertility. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, if Hachi eats pineapple on a regular basis. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Okay, so, so inside of this giant mech cockpit, mm inside of the Sterletia cockpit, which is inside this like central terminal dogma kind of uh, uh, room. I like the shot. It's, I feel like it's very reminiscent again of Evangelion of like Lilith on the cross when they first finally uh, find that. Yeah. Um, even like with the purple uh, spider web kind of coming up on it, it gives that like, cause Lilith had the purple mask against like the white backdrop. Anyways, uh, things are looking grim. Mm. Yeah. Zero zero one is like, I'm giving up. <laughs> they beat me. They outsmarted me. I was like playing the waiting game and they were proactive about things. So I guess chalk it up to a loss. Yeah. So here's the saving grace. Hero is hero. He's just the one overflowing with compassion and never wants to give mm-hmm. up. Sort of like Naruto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even though zero one 
stabbed him with her tentacles and all that crap. Like he grabs on like he had before. Uh, he's going to try to link. He's going to try to get through. And then, you know, we get to see where that goes later. Yeah, mm-hmm. He like decidedly sees zero two in zero one. Mm-hmm. And that triggers his empathy again. Mm. So one of our clues that a connection will happen is uh, happens very quickly, but zero uh, one's blue horn sort of illuminates, which we saw that was zero two when uh, she and hero were having connections. Mm. Uh, and, you know, her facial effect did, I don't know if it was shock or surprise. I don't know what it was. She was like, huh? She's being moved. Yeah. And she narrates that they're literally dinosaurs. It was 65 million years ago that the Klaxo sapiens ruled the earth. And she has been waiting in that cave since the dinosaurs were not a thing, since they went underground. Man, that would be really cool to find some dinosaurs underground. Well, yeah. So, so is this show actually just a big ex- explanation of what happened to the dinosaurs? Is that. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, hollow earth dinosaurs. Yeah. It's actually a big propaganda series about <laughs> hollow earth theory and <laughs> the cyclical nature of civilization as opposed to the linear model. They, they I guess that is when the dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. So it was not, but it was not a meteor. It was a verb. Yeah. Drove them underground. They're like, we will play. They're actually 66 game. million years ago. So maybe this is Ooh. what happened in earth a million years ago. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. This isn't in our future. This is in our past. Uh, I love it. Okay, so <laughs> zero two. Uh, I actually had this wrong when I wrote this uh, thing. I said zero two is continuing on her way to hero, but that's not true. She's actually doubling back to uh, uh, restore her strength before she makes this attempt. Right? Yep. She is not giving up like zero zero one, even though it appears that way at first that she's walking away from the scene. But she just really needs a little magma juice in her arm before she makes the big play. Which seems counterintuitive, right? Like, is she just going to get sucked up by Verm if she gets too much of that? (laughs) I mean, it could be the yellow blood cell stuff. Ah, yellow blood cells would make more sense. (laughs) Those darn yellow blood cells. Those darn perfect plot hole fixers. (laughs) You know, maybe she got some like Minofsky particles too while she was out there. Yeah. I don't know. It was just the same color in the 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 IV bag. I love that it was an IV bag hooked up to three different three, veins yeah. on her arm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You get the high octane. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, about Hachi's fertility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was hooked up to that regularly. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? I, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I was like <laughs> okay. trying to steer us back on course, but I'm like, I don't remember where uh, we are in the episodes. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, up on the surface, the other pilots, like they got this psychic message from zero zero one that was broadcast over the whole area of like, this is Verm and they're the bad guys. And like, we're not friends, but we live on the same planet. So they are our I don't know, co-enemy. I mean, she didn't put it in all those ways, but that's what I would infer from that message. Be like, oh no, I've been killing the wrong people. But it is on her for not sending this message out sooner. Yes. (laughs) She's psychic, right? She can like reach out across space and time and talk to people's minds. Maybe not time, but uh, bad on her part. She was very focused on her one role to wait. What a lousy dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have an awesome line from Kokoro. 
Mitsuru and her are piloting great again. They said each other's names the last episode and it caused them like a bunch of pain and they do it in this episode yeah. and it causes them less pain. Yeah. So maybe like that's going to be okay. They're going to be able to say each other's names, maybe even look each other in the eye. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. So Patrick, do you think that uh, Kokoro and Mitsuru are going to be okay? <laughs> Are the Verms the purple one and who's Frank? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Frank's is the guy who looked like Dr. Wiley if you ever played Mega Man. Oh, he was the cyborg guy. Yeah. He kind of looks like Frankenstein. Got He's it. Dr. Frank. Got it. Yeah. I was concerned when he got his arm ripped out. He was just talking fine like nothing happened. So I'm glad we got that scene with him bleeding out at the end. It's like, okay, realism exists. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a reason why he has a robot arm, and that's because the exact same thing happened the last time she, he met this lady. She took his arm, bit it off. Wow, bad yeah. luck for that guy. He was really happy yeah. about it though, both times. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's infatuated with her though. Unconditional love. She yes. can do anything to him. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that second time he loses the arm, it's like ah. She remembered. <laughs> <laughs> she knows what I like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, that actually brings us to Frank's. That's the scene where Frank's is talking to Hachi. Frank says that uh, hero, like they're looking at a screen with a bunch of readings. He's like, oh, I guess we won't blow up yet. I don't know why. Maybe it's that kid that uh, 001 took with her. And that's when I think we get the... 72 hours, I think, on the screen. Maybe it was supposed to be 72 minutes, but it seemed like there was actually quite a bit of time. Yeah, so I guess the idea was originally that Verm would instantly be able to take um, Star Entity. Star Entity. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why Franks and Hachi are able to calculate how long Hero and 001 are going to be able to hold out. Oh, he does say later, he's like, this is just my best guess. This is like oh, okay. hope. Maybe, yeah. Good estimate. I'm just going to put a clock up there. <laughs> and when it runs out, it's not too late, right? So maybe the clock wasn't very good after all. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like he was just predicting how long it would take for them to die. <laughs> yeah, he is Dr. Wiley. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, Dr. Wiley was just kind of like a cartoon villain, you know? Dr. Franks is just like, you know, He's a cartoon. Shit out of his ass. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a cartoon. <laughs> Is he a villain? I don't know. He's a mad scientist. Yeah. He's more robotic. He's in a way the savior of the human race. In a way. Like, in a way. Mm. Uh, yeah. Back to the Grand Crevasse. The team, they get confronted by the nines. Or maybe this is before that. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. This is. They like get confronted by the nines. The nines show up and they're like, hey, you should be fighting the Klaxosaurs and killing them right now. And they're like, uh, I don't know. This all seems really sus to me. Like, we want to go help our friend. So, like, we're going to make our own plans. And then I was like, that is not your call to make. Like, only Papa can make that call. And you're like, but Papa is this fucking weird star thing. Like, why are you following these people? But I guess indoctrination just runs really deep. Yeah. Um, so, Squad 13... All the adults are gone. They pretty much have no authority over them anymore unless it's Hachi and Dr. Franks. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to just going according to their own script. And then the nines mm -hmm. are just unable to. Like, they freak out. They sort of get the, uh, the, the kill mania. Oh, yeah. So they, everyone just got the same message, right? So they got the same message that Klaxosaurs are people. Do they know that they're, they know they're clones of Zero Two, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So they know that they're Claxosaurs, right? Yeah. Or they have Claxosaur DNA or whatever, right? They're part Claxosaurs. They do not consider themselves human, but they don't have Claxosaur blood. Okay. Uh, but they have internalized Claxophobia, like hatred of, like their identity just got destroyed. Yeah. They're like Papa is good and Claxosaurs are bad and blah 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 and they believe they have to believe it right up to the very end like that old phrase like you can't get someone to believe something is false if their paycheck requires them to believe it is true and like this is even deeper than their paycheck this is their very existence their identity yep. is predicated on this belief so yeah. no wonder they just fucking go crazy. So this is a uh, soapbox I stand on a lot. And I'm going to do it again right now. Uh, do not tie your identity to your beliefs. If you need to do something like that, tie your identity to your values. That way you can grow and change. So here's the classic blunder of the nines. All of their identity is tied to this belief system, this belief that Papa is this, this belief that zero two is that, and they form who they are in opposition of who zero two is zero two is rebellious and defiant. So they are like loyal to a fault. Um, mm -hmm. So like, since what they believed turned out not to be true, it's a crisis for them to accept that. Whereas squad 13, the things that defined who they were had to do with belonging and like all these value-based things. Um, so yeah, their paradigm was also shattered with the revelation uh, that came from zero one, but they were able to adapt to it. Mm. End of soapbox. Good soapbox. Good soapbox. Thanks. It's a hundred bucks an hour for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting it for free. Uh, our Patreon. No, I'm kidding. We don't have one. Um, okay, so back inside star entity zero zero one and hero are getting to know each other and then it is revealed that zero two is indeed a clone of zero zero one uh and that the klaxo sapien civilization was more advanced than the human civilization which makes me think of that old show dinosaurs <laughs> which is a surprisingly awesome sitcom if you've never checked it out yeah i've seen as uh the rest of our crew here not seen dinosaurs no. I was part of the dinosaurs generation, not the mama. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Great sound clip. I think that the final episode is about their world getting destroyed, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Oh my gosh. You can look really? that up on YouTube. Yeah. That's pretty dark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and this is and this is where we learn explicitly that Verm has been here before, and they came to the Claxo Sapiens, and they were like, "Hey." If you let us have your souls, uh, you can give up your physical bodies and you can always be existing and conscious kind of inside of our collective. And the Klaxosapiens were like, that doesn't sound cool. We like being physical formed beings. So it is war then. Why did the 60 million year old people have blue skin? They're just blue people. But there were no blue people in the episode. The one you couldn't tell because she was covered yeah. in purple. But the one in the cockpit with the guy, Hero, she was blue-skinned. And she's the only one left. Whoa. Like, right. Everyone else decided to either be turned into weapons or turned into energy. And she was going to be the only one left so that she could pilot those weapons and energy. Okay. And, and kill Verm. And if you change, you have to give up your blue. <laughs> well, you kind of become like those the blue uh, kaiju. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah the big monster turn. robots. Monster robots. With the mostly black with like blue energy yeah. usually on them. Like the two snakes, right? There uh-huh. were uh, like two jaws of the snake, but each of them had a set of eyes. Fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at oh. one point they were blue people. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, even the snakes. Yeah. yeah. They're all people. It's interesting. The blue people, their design, they have like a, a magma circle where their heart would be which is exactly the same place as the adults that have got gotten the immortality uh, treatment. Oh. It's not quite the same. They kind of have like that tube coming out of their body. And so first I was like, oh, like they got the immortality treatment. It's like, oh, no, no. That's probably all based upon like just how they existed at one point. Hmm. And so that was that's just what their heart looks like instead of an artificial heart. So the old school anime fan in me uh, suspects that uh, they went with that blue styling as like an homage to like uh, Star Blazers, uh, another mm. old Tawai an- animation. Mm. There's just so many little nods to like classic 80s anime in this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and thematically, I think the Klaxo Sapiens are blue uh, to contrast with uh, Zero Two's red. Mm. Just because they wanted that color scheme for uh, both Hero and oh. Zero Two as a dichotomy. And then they wanted that color scheme between Zero, Zero One and Zero Two as a, a dichotomy. Yeah. Because like, you know, the, this this Klaxosaur princess, we just met her. We don't really know that much about her. We got a lot all the backstory we need, I guess, in this episode. Um, and obviously, diegetically, she's her own character. But Zero Two and her are a mirror of each other, yes. right? Yeah. Like, this is like the dark aspect, like the underworld uh, queen, as opposed to Zero Two, who is from like the land and sky. Yeah. Hades and uh, what's the woman he uh, enslaves as his wife? Persephone. Persephone, yes. <laughs> yeah, Persephone. Um, so we got to get to this thing about Anana and Arishkiel. I'm so excited now. Okay, but we got to get there. Okay, and we learned that the Klaxo sapiens, well, actually, they lost their. Uh, uh, ability to procreate in order to become or pilot the the clacosaurs. Yeah. Um, whereas humans did the opposite. Yes. Which I don't know. They were like purpose driven, right? Whereas like the humans are leisure driven. Okay. So uh, end of the line. Yeah. Zero two is the last specimen in a long line of uh, uh, cloning attempts by Franks, right? Uh, and instead of continuing to clone 001 afterwards, he was like, oh, well, no, 02 works, so I'll just clone 02 uh, and mess around with some more human DNA in there, uh, which wasn't there speculation that 9-alpha might have, like, his wife's DNA? Yeah, they have the same hair and eye color. Yeah. Frank's had a wife. Okay. She wasn't in this episode. Yeah, she died. <laughs> she died. Oh, my God, in record time. It was tragic for the watchers, not for him. Cla- classic mm. mech accident. Yeah. <laughs> and then we see like the nine's faith put to the ultimate test. Yeah. And like, it kind of seems like it breaks. Like there's this crisis of faith at the very end. They decide to keep killing Klaxosaurs. And when the purple things show up, they're like, well, I guess you're with Papa. So I guess we're on your side. And the purple things just start eating one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I guess they're not on your side. So, like, you need to re-examine your priorities. Well, I mean, at least the nines care about each other. Yeah, yeah. Got really pissed off when Delta and Epsilon bit the dust. And damn, what a way to go. It was so brutal. Brutal. 
eaten. Yeah, <laughs> Alex, I think you mentioned it. It did remind me a lot of uh, End of Evangelion. Yeah. With the mass-produced Avas? Yeah. Yes. So I really liked the next scene. Uh, Zero Two uh, is committed to getting back to Hero, whether it's conflicts with the Klaxosaurs or Papa or this Verm stuff. She doesn't care. I'm not going to do it justice, but like the sentiment is like they made a promise to each other and she's going to go where he is, uh, no matter what that entails, even if it's certain death as uh, Dr. Franks perceives it to be. Yeah. I mean, he's talking about like uh, all the weird pink verm tendrils are everywhere. And why wouldn't she just get tied up in all that the same as Zero One and Hero? Yep. Mm -hmm. Pretty good point. But that's not anything to do with the commitment she made. Right. She has something stronger than all that. Yeah. And, and when the world is going to explode anyways, I mean, it's like, what do you got to lose? You know, <laughs> let's try yeah. it. Go be with the one you love. And we find out that like they are of the same mind. Frank's is like, well, maybe it won't work. But then later he's like, well, my plans are all based on hope, you know, <laughs> like on these statistical improbabilities. So in this scene, I just noticed something on this watch and, and I don't know how true this is, but you know, there's that, that song that's like the the choir. Who's in Oz? Vanquish. Yes. I've usually associated with Zero Two. Is that a tight association? Yeah. It usually comes in when she is being entered. It's like her theme. Yeah. When she first uh, presented as Streletzia, uh, yep. that musical piece played. Yeah. A couple times that she had a breakthrough, it also played. You know, the lyrics, if you read them, it kind of spoils her story character arc. <laughs> so this time, <laughs> this time I noticed it played when the squad crashed through the wall. Yeah. And so it played on their introduction. And I mean, part of this episode is the payoff of them finally coming to accept mm -hmm. her. And it was, I don't know, it hit me different. Um, yeah. Associating that song, usually with Zero Two, but now with a squad that's accepting Zero Two. Because they're family now. Like it's it's a shared theme i guess yeah 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 i love that uh and this you know this whole series is about mirrors <laughs> but this episode we don't get a whole lot of mirrors literally but we do get a lot of those mirrored shots yes like you said like or we were used to seeing the other like looking at streletia come through a wall when we saw that or heard that music uh but now we're seeing delphinium and the others mm -hmm. and last time it was hero going to get zero two uh, with Delphinium's help and the rest of the squad is the same setup, just a reversal of who's going to who. Yeah. 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 I, I also felt like, yeah, I don't know if it was the music or what, but that scene kind of hit me and it kind of felt like the first time, like I thought these mech designs are pretty like goofy and, and I was kind of like, why did they make them look like these like dumb chibi characters or whatever? And mm -hmm. then I guess like that scene had, had the mechs kind of like acting more like the people and the characters in a way that I was like, Oh, it like sort of works. I sort of get it now. <laughs> I it felt so like a little, not too much payoff for like <laughs> a lot of design. Yeah. Work. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did start to, to like it in that scene. So that's great. Yeah. Maybe I'd like it more on a rewatch. I don't know. So from here, uh, it kind of reminds me of the movie Aliens, like the few characters that are left are in these tight corridors uh, being pursued by these very hard to kill things. Uh, Ikuno has a great moment. She's going to expend all the rest of her magma energy to make a path for them to escape. You know, it's kind of a sacrificial moment. 
Uh, but it's also neat to see that Ikuno and Futoshi are clicking somehow. And they do it. And it takes a heavy toll on Ikuno. And she now looks like what we saw, yeah. like Squad 23. Like, uh, I guess the term is accelerated decrepitude. She's uh, aging or decaying or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Futoshi was very concerned. Very concerned. Yeah. But not the same thing did not happen to him. No. Not very fair. Not yeah. fair at all. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's what they've established. Like, all of the physical trauma is on the women. Mm-hmm. Well, not all of it. Squad 26 went completely gray. Well, no, no. I, what I mean is, like, when the Franks experience damage. Sure. Yeah. There's a growth moment for Ichigo. Yeah. She yells at Zero Two. Uh, not for her to take care of Hero, but for both of them to come back. Mm. And so she's kind of shifting or allowing her crush to not influence her decisions or the way she views their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Miku speaks up in this scene too, like trying to rally everybody. Uh, I think when Delphinium goes down, was it Janista, Kokoro and Mitsuru? I don't know. They're, they're not really unified. My perception was that Miku was trying to get everybody to stick together, which I thought was a interesting juxtaposition from the way she was in the boys and girls episode yes yeah yeah kind of divisive in their position i would have sent miku and zorame with the fastest mech Mm -hmm. down the corridor yes also the mech that's technically best at close quarters combat because it has brawler claws Mm -hmm. but like they needed the the parallel of it being delphinium again that brings the two together Oh, and they're still being pursued by these purple monsters, right? That's why two of them go back. But this is in this one of these shots, I kept thinking, like, what do these things look like? Why do they look so disturbing? And some of them look like headless corpses, right? Mm-hmm. They look like they've got a neck and then it just cuts off. And that's a disturbing prospect, right? But some of them, the ones that like have kind of a cylinder head and kind of a beak, they look like the outfits of the adult officials. Mm-hmm. From before, like remember the mayor had yeah. one of those like cylinder heads. Goes over their eyes. They look a lot like that. So uh, okay, There's, I think that's intentional. I, that's what got me thinking about like, what if the adults are the ones that are piloting these and they're <laughs> killing their children? Yeah, it's very dehumanizing. There are only two purple monsters chasing them in the corridor. Are they that big mm-hmm. a, a threat to have just two of them, where they had to sacrifice themselves, or were there more coming? I think they were trying to establish that these verm things are more powerful than your average claxosaur. Gotta have an escalation. The yeah. next threat's gotta be more threatening than the last threat, right? And more dehumanizing. Yeah. Uh, and claxosaurs like poof, right? So it's a little video gamey. Like there's a rain of blue blood, but like the body's basically gone. But these things just stay there bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, God damn. All right. So uh, in the next scene, uh, Hero is still connecting with Zero One. And um, we get the montage. And I think the implication is like zero one is seeing the emotions and the relationships and the attachments, the bonds uh, that were made over the past few months. And like, based on the expression on her face, I think she gets it uh, Mm. sort of warming up to humans, at least this group of kids. So I imagine she shares her life with him and it's like 65 million years of sitting in a room waiting to pilot this thing. And then he shows her a few years of his life. And she's like, oh my gosh, this looks like so much fun. My life is so boring. 
maybe it's kind of like she just got to watch 20 episodes of Darling in the Franks. Uh, maybe after that, uh, Hero's Pitch is better received. It's the idea of like, we don't hmm. live to fight. We fight to live. Yeah. I keep thinking it's deeper and deeper than that. Yeah. And I think it, it comes up more blatantly later, but like he is like really, I think what they're trying to set up is this like Verm is offering life in the collective and what he's fighting against is not death, but it's, I want life, but I want to protect what it means to be human. That's what I don't want to lose. It's not that I don't want to lose my body or my life. And I think that's what he's showing her. And before maybe they didn't have a great motivation. Mm -hmm. We just didn't like Verm. And now she's, I don't know, maybe developing more language of like, oh, that's what I would have wanted the first time we fought too, is Mm. we were really fighting to continue to be what it means to be sapien, uh, you know, Claxus or sapien. Mm Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I guess in some ways, so, so Verm is like this like collective, it's like everyone is together and no one is an individual. And then 001, she's like the one individual who's like all alone. And she has, you know, she has some line, I think, later in the episode where she says something like, you know, I thought that this would like make me stronger. I thought that like being alone you know, like somehow that was the right thing to do. And then I think it's when she's connecting with Hero, she's realizing like, oh, there is strength and and joy and and these other things in like interpersonal relationships. Motivation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And they are reasserting this promise, which like forever promises I don't like, but they can be a source of motivation. Sorry, right. (laughs) I was just thinking how tragic it was or must have been for zero one. Like, so firm's evil. They live forever, but uh, they don't have anything of what it means to be human. And the Claxosaurs were once, you know, autonomous individuals living lives. And I think in the montage, there was a scene of a couple making love or whatever. Uh, And then they lost all of that in their fight against Firm, becoming immortal to be able to fight them off. But again, losing what it was that made them special. And now here's Hero. And... um, Maybe this is what sways zero one to relinquish her power. Like here's a race that still has a chance uh, to make a dif- different decision and maybe do what she wishes the Claxosaurs would have done. Yeah. I just feel bad for the Claxosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> they got the short end of the stick. Yeah, they did. In the long part of time. Their struggle will not be forgotten. No. They fought so you and I could enjoy big gulps. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So ring horny. This uh, friggin' spaceship, or lance of life as they call it later, is leaving, and it takes a very long time to leave. Uh, but as it starts to take off, we get this like really sad. I know they're murder machines, but uh, Nine Alpha is like in this field of corpses, and it just looks like very biblical to me, like uh, the war in heaven, like this like body of angel or this uh, field of angel bodies and it looks up to the sky and it's abandoned. Yeah. The lowest emotional low, right? It's like, Hey, your God, your papa is not only your papa, it's a God and it's abandoning you. So like, how do you feel about yourself? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think there's going to be much fight left in the nines after this. Nope. It is rough. And then uh, quickly, we go back to Goro uh, underground, or not just Goro. Uh, it's um, Delphinium delivering Zero Two to 
the gate and uh oh and franks right zero two and franks yeah yep uh, and Delphinium has to turn around to fight one more big purple thing, right? And we get another mirroring. Uh, Delphinium wants to stop Zero Two from like roiding out, like tackled Strelitzi and took an arm off, mm-hmm, right? Yes. And so Delphinium now loses an arm in defense of Zero Two. So it's another like reversal of the situation with the same thematic elements or aesthetic elements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they do really good there for a bit. Um, it's actually two of these Verm drones that come down the mm. corridor and they impale one and take it out, but the other one is able mm. to parry. And that's when Delphinium loses the arm. Mm. I'm not sure what they were thinking. Maybe it was a, a sacrificial move, like tackling it and going over the edge together. Maybe that's all they had left. It's definitely meant to seem that way, right? Yeah, We're yeah. definitely meant to be like, oh no, are they dead? It's a yeah. bottomless pit. Yeah. yeah. Darth Maul, Maul fell down one of those and he lived. So <laughs> nobody, yeah, okay. no body. Yeah. No body, no case. <laughs> no, body, no case. Uh, Joe is alive for Squid Game season two. While that whole combat was going on, I did not see that like sneak thing. And then as soon as it, yeah, it over, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So, so we get this snake thing out of nowhere <laughs> and then we also get, okay. So I, I always see that door, that block door chamber thing. as like an anus. I just can't help it. It's like a <laughs> and then Frank holds up his arm, his arm that has, I, I get that it has cells from zero, zero one in it, but like, yeah, I still don't, I still don't get exactly what's going on in this scene. It's like, take this back to your master. And then the tentacles reach out, grab the arm, and then as they bring it back, it turns into a tunnel. Yeah, you got it. Okay. You got it. <laughs> so, so it's just like an elaborate, like open sesame, basically. It's like he has the thing yes. that it's like voice activated and it's arm activated. It's arm activated, <laughs> DNA activated. And so, oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Uh, oh, just like Pacific Rim. <laughs> oh, yes. To go through the gate. Oh, that's right. DNA. The, uh, the rift. Um, uh-huh. Full circle. It is a little confusing because Z- 001 did not have to give any of her DNA to the thing. She was just like open. Yeah. And it opened up for her, right? Even though she has the DNA, she should have had to like throw it a lock of hair or something, right? <laughs> yes. That would be helpful. <laughs> I, I, toenail. I do not share this <laughs> sentiment. I feel like it was fine. And, and right, I, I, also I, say- I didn't get it. I, I'd forgotten the the scene that she'd gone through this thing before. So that, yeah. So just a little continuity. Um, the last time we were at this uh, entryway, zero one did show up with her serpents, got into Streletzia and then went through. Presumably the serpents have just been hanging out here gotcha. by Ben's orifice. <laughs> In the bottomless pit, <laughs> taking a nap. You know, serpents like to hang out by an orifice, whatever. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, and then we come up to our climax for the episode yes. and this thing that I've been waiting to talk about forever. Wait, uh, before we so, get to that, okay, just really quick. So, so we get into this final chamber and I was trying to think of like what this thing reminds me of. And um, have you guys ever seen like a like an actual like human heart, like kind of like the inside of a human heart? Oh. Any, anyway, I think a lot of this like red tendony things are, are kind of like what the actual inside of a, a heart muscle looks like. And so 
I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's cool imagery. And, and I was trying to think too, like, I was like, Oh, what does this remind me of? And, you know, I think we talked about Evangelion, the, um, kind of Christ imagery there, but then I was thinking like, Oh, you know, there's like Genova and like final fantasy seven, you know, like kind of like this woman in a bunch of tubes. And I was like, Oh, that's sort of in serial experiments lane. And then I was like, Oh, that's like sort of in like ghost in the shell. I'm like, why are there all these like images of people? And it seems like, especially women with like tubes growing out of them or something like that. Like, is that, is that some sort of like old mythic thing? Or is this just kind of like animes riffing off of each other or? Uh, I think it comes from, I mean, I don't know about the mythology thing, but I think it comes from Akira. Um, Akira really popularized, uh, especially the manga, these like tubes, um, especially like uncovering a secret facility going inside and there's like all these tons of coolant tubes yeah. and there's something in that innermost chamber that's like the fucking end of the that, world. That's right. I guess we talked about this way back in the Evangelion season when um, mm. they were going into the computer and, and kind of like all of those yeah. tubes and that tube imagery. That was very serious experiments lane. And it had all the, the programming notes <laughs> that looked like the slips of paper on like a, sh- uh, a Shinto temple. Anyway, I distracted you from the the climax, Alex. Okay, so Zero Two uh, says, I'm really thankful to you, Franks, for creating me. That's very nice of her to acknowledge him, right? He's like, you can hate me. That's cool. And maybe that's what, like, triggers her to be like, ah, it's okay. (laughs) Like, you suck, but uh, you also allowed me to do all the things I love in my life. Maybe it's a cool comment on, like, parentage, you know, Mm -hmm. like, no, we don't have to forgive our parents for everything they ever did. You know, like it's hard to be a parent. It's hard to not screw up your kids a little bit, but you can love your parents and recognize that they did things that messed you up. Like shoot a bullet through your hand repeatedly. Yes. (laughs) And then zero two. (laughs) I was just thinking how Patrick might be thinking that your parents (laughs) shot bullets through your (laughs) hand repeatedly, Alex. It was actually in the show. I, I was hoping that was the case. <laughs> I thought you were going to go like, yeah, they can mess you up by just naming you a number instead of like Erica. <laughs> but then you went to shooting bullets through their person. Repeatedly. Um, okay. So the double snake shows up, opens itself up and it has like a throne, right? Yeah. That's where uh, zero 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 one was sitting. Um, and this is an important part of the myth of Inanna and Arishkagal, okay? Let's do this. So there's these two Sumerian goddesses, okay? So let's start with Inanna. So Inanna is important in a lot of uh, uh, Mesopotamian uh, culture and beliefs, okay? And her tradition goes from like these kind of humble origins as a fertility and love goddess, and then she becomes... Uh, over time with the Babylonian empire, she becomes this sky goddess Mm. uh, and becomes like the top. There are other gods that are like her equal or superior or whatever, but she is the goddess of sky and earth. Mm. And in so doing, she is also like both a goddess of love and of war, Mm -hmm. which tracks with zero two, right? Her symbolic color is pink, just like zero two. Her uh, symbolic animal familiar is a lion, just Mm, like uh, Streletzia's stampede mode. Um, And that signifies like 
both kinship with beasts, but also having the king of the beasts under your thrall, uh, which is kind of like hero. He is the best stamen, right? His numbers are the best. And only Inanna or Zero Two has access. Yeah. Sorry, I might be a little all over the place because I'm really excited. I'm tracking. <laughs> so one thing that re- reappears in the uh, myths about her, her domains are never enough. So like she's always pushing on the boundaries of other gods, which is, again, very much like Zero Two, right? Always pushing these social boundaries, not necessarily in a negative way, like spurring people on to do things. And she is signified, even though she's this high goddess and uh, a priestess goddess, right? Like the priestess of the gods in the Sumerian pantheon. She is never a mother, Hmm. even though she's like highly uh, associated with fertility and sex, strictly not a mother figure, which Zero Two, as we found out a few episodes ago, uh, are sterile, right? Cannot produce children uh, biologically. So this all tracks with Inanna. Okay, so Arishkagal. Mm. Arishkagal is in this particular myth. There's, you know, religions are not a monolith, right? Like, just look at Christianity today. You're like, oh, what do Christians believe? You're like, you're going to have to be more specific than that. Yes. (laughs) But in the most famous Inanna and Arishkagal myth, either of them, uh, they are sisters. Mm. Uh, So they are like part of the top uh, portion of the pantheon of gods and Arishkagal is the goddess of the underworld. Mm. Both of these goddesses have counterparts that like succeed them through the ages. Like um, Inanna eventually gets equated with the Semitic goddess Ishtar um, and like Aphrodite, Venus, all of these love goddesses throughout the ages, they all have these symbols and uh, uh, like the same, I guess, uh, monomyth form as Inanna. Anyway, so Arishkagal, uh, you'd think she would be like parallel with Persephone, but she's actually the Hades figure. Yeah. And the first time that they have a run in and the thing that brings us like up to the myth that involves the two of them is that Inanna has a run in with Gilgamesh and ends up sending the bull of heaven, who is Arishkagal's husband, to kill Gilgamesh. Uh, And Gilgamesh ends up killing the bull of heaven along with Enkidu. So like, Hero killed the bull of heaven with Zero Two. Remember the horned god? That's right. Yes. So that thing is symbolically at least uh, 001's consort. Okay. That is her like symbolic counterpart. Oh, wow. Was that Klaxosaur? Like, it seemed real special, right? Yes. It even had, like, a, a way that it, like, set itself up, unlike other Klaxosaurs, which just came out of the ground, yep. how they were. Yeah, that one almost killed uh, Zero Two. That was, like, yes. part of their transformative arc. Yeah. Okay, so the myth of Anana and Arishkagal is an underworld journey myth. So it, in itself, is one of the earliest recordings we have of humans creating a death and rebirth cycle in their myths. Um, Now, this is really common with fertility gods because throughout the ages, they are associated with springtime and the seasonal change, Persephone with Hades, half the year is dark, half the year is light. But it looks like a lot of them start here. It's written poetically. I think it was probably meant to be sung or recited in religious rituals in Sumeria. But I've read the whole thing and I found some cool uh, lines from it. 
It starts with, from the great above, Inanna opened her ear to the great below. So I was thinking about this and I wondered why Zero Two lives in the attic. Because of all of the rooms, her room looks special. It does not have the same carpeting and stuff as the other uh, pilot bedrooms. Mm. I'm like, of course, she's at the very top of Mistletane. She's in heaven, which made me think about Mistletane. I'm like, oh, that's heaven, right? Mm. And like the earth is where the gods descend to do battle with the monsters. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Pause. Okay, go ahead. The plantations, they look like the ancient world models of the cosmos. Yes, the dome. There's a flat earth. The dome is the firmament. And on top of that. Oh, wow. wow. And from outside of the world come the monsters of chaos, right? Uh Okay. Which like, again, brings us back to Sumeria, the myth of Tiamat, which is this like chaos dragon that that's like the formation of the world there, which again is kind of like not Arishkagal herself, but Zero One is very much like a chaos serpent, right? Yes. Uh, Especially with like her tail that splits into multiple things. Anyways, so excited. Okay, so Inanna abandons heaven and earth to descend into the underworld, which is exactly what Zero Two has done, right? Come down from Mistletane, gone through Earth, down into the very uh, depths of the Earth to do this thing. She abandons her seven seven temples, uh, and this is because she had become a really important part of the Babylonian Empire, and she had temples in seven different major cities. Uh, And she gathers the seven me, or may, I didn't realize how to pronounce this, uh, but may is this like it's a wonky word that they keep using, but it seems to mean sometimes laws, but uh, mostly it means like objects that symbolize laws, technologies, professions, concepts. So like she has seven of these things. They all, they're different parts of her, like a breastplate and a, uh, a bracelet. And uh, the chief among them is the crown, right? So Zero Two does not have all of these may. She has not adorned herself completely, but she does get this crown from Miku. Mm. Yeah. She gets this call from the great below, right? Which is the underworld. But Inanna doesn't immediately go. First, she prepares. And in episode 16, I think it was, no, maybe 17. That's the first time we hear the, the roar of the Klaxo princess. Yeah. It is at the end of the episode. You're in Zero Two's and Hero's room now, and you hear this roar, and she's like, oh my gosh, that is the call of the great below, right? Yeah. But they don't immediately go. They still have to do the wedding episode. She still has to prepare herself. In that very next episode, that's when she gets the Shigura, the crown, okay? Mm. So in the underworld... Inanna passes through several gates to reach her sister, Arishkagal, which we have in this episode. And at every gate, she has to give something up. Mm. One of these may, right? So symbolically, it's her clothing, it's her adornment, but what she's giving up is parts of herself, symbols of herself. She's giving up her identity. And Zero Two is not exactly giving up her identity, but she is willing to give up essentially everything to finish this journey. Well, she, it doesn't matter if she bleeds out. It doesn't matter. She right? does lose adornments. Like the members of oh, Squad yeah. 13 fall one by one. <gasps> oh, And then Franks okay. is the last one, her father. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Pretty awesome. Holy crap. 
This whole thing is Sumerian. <laughs> <laughs> they dug deep and they did a really good job of representing a lot of these things without it just seeming like a word for word. Like, okay, and this, this happens and then this happens. Because obviously it's not just Sumerian. We have a bunch of uh, Norse mythology references here. We have some Christian references. We have Shinto, wedding garbs. Yeah. Um, it is a mishmash from everywhere. So uh, at each of the gates, she gives away uh, one of the May. And then this is what happens. This is the lines where Inanna reaches the inner sanctum uh, where Arishkagal is. Um, under the pretext, Inanna has said, I am here to mourn the death of Arishkagal's husband, um, which Inanna indirectly caused the death of. So <laughs> like the motivations here are a little fuzzy. So naked and bowed low, Inanna entered the throne room. Arishkagal rose from her throne. Anana started towards the throne. The Anuna, the judges of the underworld, surrounded her. They passed judgment against her. Then Arishkagal fastened on Anana the eye of death. She spoke against her the word of wrath. She uttered against her the cry of guilt. She struck her. Anana was turned into a corpse, a piece of rotting meat, and was hung from a hook on the wall. It goes on and on and on uh, about what happens after that, but to cut a long story short, uh, she dies. But death in this underworld journey is not literal death. It is the death of a part of yourself. It is a transformation. And zero two, she gets into this cockpit and she lets her horns grow. And this is like the part of herself she's most afraid of, right? This yeah. is the part of her that hurt Hero before. It is the part of her that killed all of these stamens that piloted with her. Mm -hmm. But she is finally in this desperate moment. She accepts herself. And part of her dies, both like figuratively and like at the end of the episode, you're like, oh shit, is Zero Two okay? Yeah. Like what the fuck just happened? So- that is most of what I have. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to take up all of the rest of our time. Oh, let me read this last paragraph uh, from a website I found called Red Priestess, which is pretty cool. Um, just a description of uh, uh, Arishkagal. Uh, Arishkagal is the true essence of a dark goddess. From the moment she enters Urkala, the underworld, she embraces the realm and her role as queen and goddess of the law. In spiritual terms, she embodies the shadow self, what psychoanalyst Jung described as the undesirable parts of our consciousness, the things we deem as evil, inferior, or unacceptable. The emotions, desires, and understandings we deny in ourselves become part of our shadow. This is a role Arish Kagal accepts, and her work is to integrate the unconscious shadow mind Mind with the consciousness light mind. In both mortals and deities alike, she understands that only through the assimilation can the soul be whole and complete. So like 001 is the shadow image of 02. The way she interacts with Hero, she pilots. She pilots on top. She does not go into the subservient position, much like Lilith from the Bible. All of the things that 02 is afraid of or is afraid that she wants, she wants to be powerful. She wants to be the ruler of the whole earth. Zero, zero, one is those things and is unashamed of those things. Anyways, I just, I mm. found all this out and I just loved it. Yeah. It's not just a connection. It's like, it has to be what Nishigori was sourcing 
It's so vast. I think so. Yeah. And Arishkagal is described as looking as though like a corpse. So the blue and black mm. is traditional of painting someone that way. Mm. And it explains the, you know, undeath motif of the Claxosaurus uh, too. Mm. Mm. Alex and I have talked off the air about this a bit. And uh, it did change my uh, opinion of the ending, which we can talk about later if need be. Yeah, yeah we're going to get there. Talk about that later. Okay, where are we? We're back on track. We're back on track. I got a headcanon thing. Yeah, let's hear it. I think it's it's partly to try to redeem Dr. Franks as the mad scientist. Okay. Hmm. I found it so interesting that he, it seems like he's just unwilling to admit any of his intentions when uh, Zero Two asks him instead of him just saying, well, I don't actually know. It, I guess it was an episode or two ago. Dr. Franks is kind of impressed or he notices or at least Hero asks Ape, can we be our own entity after all this is done? Yeah. We want to like recreate. They want to be free. They want to be free. And in the hallway, Dr. Franks kind of interrogates him about that. Yeah. It was kind of just like intentions and what what are you going to do with that? Uh, and it seemed to me like, particularly with this, that I think along the way, Dr. Franks uh, regretted what he did, allowing humans to become immortal, creating the Franks, mm-hmm. uh, humans losing their way. And he is wanting that humanity can get back to where it was before his advances. Uh, and he hopes that these humans can, but his scientific mind is unsure because they're artificially produced. Uh, maybe they're not actually human. Uh, and so he just keeps, he does this experiment to see if these clones can really become humans again. And he's just so uncertain. Yeah. Cause he knows he created them and they're not, they're not real. It, it just kind of, um, hit me. I, I don't know why I hadn't thought about this before, but so Frank's is like the last of the old humans in the yes. way that zero zero one is the last of the Klaxosaurus, right? He's like yes. the one human who's not a clone and didn't do the immortality treatment. So he is a match mm-hmm. for her. Yeah. A bit. And there's actually a lot of mirroring with the two of them, particularly, I mean, the exposition of the past is opposite of them mm-hmm. but their dialogue in response to being tricked by verm is almost word for word the same hmm. that's something like oh they got me um, <laughs> and it's just kind of like flippant <laughs> um, but it's word for word the same um so there is a parallel between them i don't know that's all i had it's just when he said i don't know it was just a scientist swim and i'm like ah, i think it was more than that i think you were just <laughs> trying to cover your bases <laughs> he's a betting man franks <laughs> I liked that Zero Two fought for her love and it's like that reversal. Like last time we saw a scene like this, it was Hero trying to reach out to her and grabbing onto her horns. Mm -hmm. And then like they got to have their happy place moment, like the mental plane or the dream realm or whatever under the holly tree. And, you know, in Japanese lore, like the color white in the snow uh, can have dual meaning for love and death. But I think very specifically, this imagery was uh, communicating like the whole power of love, love conquering all kind of thing. And then maybe there's something that might get around to the idea of death in the sense of the death and rebirth cycle. But uh, I don't know if we're there yet. Well, zero, zero, one yeah. immediately is like, yes. oh, sees them kissing. And is like, you know what? That looks really fun. I wish I could have done that while I was alive. But uh yeah. I give it all to you, the next generation. Yeah. Do better than I did. Yeah. And this this is the moment that I really saw like the 
dichotomy of like, what does it mean to be human? Like in her mind, it was just to survive, get bigger so she can defeat Verm. And what she sees is she calls it unity. Like there, there's power in being together. The, like It's like she's come giving over to that kind of definition of what it means to be human. Hmm. I also particularly like that uh, they made Sterletia go again uh, with their kiss. Yeah, we've seen these like scenes before where a kiss is what uh, initiates the Franks, mm-hmm. and that happens again in a big way. It's great callback to the very first episode. Yeah, and Franks gets his the thing he wanted second most. He wanted to pilot it, but he's like, well, at least I got to see the the big mech take off. I was really impressed by big mech. He's way too happy about seeing it. When you say the kiss initiated Frank. He, he just really gets into that kind of stuff. He just likes watching. He's, will, he's willing to give up his left arm for that. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need the left one. He's willing to go splat for it. So the kiss did not initiate Dr. Franks. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. Well, just to guess something was happening in that cockpit. <laughs> so I do want to ask Ben about the post credit scene. So before we get to that final moment, we have the, you know, so the Verm, they realize that uh, somehow, you know, 001 has has resisted them. And uh, they're like, well, I guess we can't win, but we'll be taking this. Yoinks. And then they uh, take the... <laughs> so long, suckers. And we, we have this, like, you know, very... Uh, phallic shot of its uh, hilt going up and this hand trying to hold on to it. And, you know, I thought it was good for a second. It was going to be like, oh, no, we got this too. Fuck y'all. <laughs> but then so it goes off and uh, these verm came out of nowhere last episode. <laughs> And then they're here this episode, and then they they leave just as fast as they came. They're like, we'll be back. But, like, I assume not for the rest of this show, right? Like, that's, uh, you know, some future season universe kind of thing, unless they're a lot faster than I think. They're so fast. (laughs) No, I... (laughs) So, anyway, it was just like, what? (laughs) Like, Like, when that was the twist that happened i thought that that was like oh, okay now we're gonna have this like final arc where it's fighting fighting the aliens and um i i don't know what this show is doing anymore so awesome yeah and then uh you know they uh are teasing us with the death of zero two I, I thought she was going to fall to her death. I thought she might commit suicide. Mm-hmm. There've been a, there's been a lot of imagery. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is another fake out, but it is still coming. So. Okay. Still coming. Final episode. Strong prediction. Or second to last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. End of this. Yeah. End yeah. of the second to last episode. So in two episodes, that's when she's going to die, but it'll be another <laughs> cliffhanger and we won't, find out that she's <laughs> until the final episode my prediction okay you should write for tv <laughs> you got all the the beats down pat i got one more thing yeah please um so sterletia apus uh-huh. that's the name right yes yeah so apus apus i uh I, I did a little research on that word it's not that interesting but it's worth saying it is a constellation in the southern sky okay of the bird of paradise Oh, the Strelatia. The Strelatia. I love it. That's great. Um, so it's just like the the biggest 
it's uh, Sterletia going into the stars. So it's the constellation of the bird of paradise. Ah, oh, um, I thought it was just like Streletia, Streletia, like Mario, Mario. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, that is about it. I thought it was similar to the word opus, which is just a music word for like a symphony. Um, oh, they do love their wordplay, especially yes. like uh, picking words that sound great in English. So because anyways, but yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. And uh, why Franks would be so like oh, my magnum opus. Yes. Yeah. I finally get to see it. I don't get to perform it, but look at it being performed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a play on like Apex. Like this is like the highest right. evolution of Shiletsia, mm. but right, right. Yeah, I do like the constellation mm. thing better. Or yeah. it's like Apis, yip yip, and yip, yip. they're both fly. Like Appa. <laughs> <the paradise>. Like <laughs> <Apa. laughs> in the uh, in the sub I was watching for some reason they translated it as like A P A T H Apith, but uh, yeah. there isn't that distinction in Japanese. But I think they just guessed and guessed wrong it sounds like um, <laughs> like that's not a real thing Apis, whatever sure <laughs> if they're trying to say opus and make like a reference Ooh. to that hardcore grind metal band maybe they're catholic maybe they're part of the opus day society oh. do they self-flagellate themselves no okay no. <laughs> we've really explored this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so any last thoughts for the episode hmm patrick would you ever come back to this series? Are you so intrigued that you now have to go watch it? Or are you like, no, this will be the weirdest thing I've ever watched and I will leave it old <laughs> to this memory very tightly. <laughs> it was, it came on really strong. And I feel like if I had seen episode one first, I would have had a better grasp. <laughs> okay. But I also Fair. think I learned in general that uh, anime can be more complex than Digimon. And I appreciate <laughs> the education. I, I think we should do another podcast where now you watch the rest of the show. And because like the first, I guess, like 19 episodes, you'll be like, so when is this turning into the other? Is this the same series? Yeah. yeah. Yes, Ben is right. You'll be really confused the first 19 episodes. You'll be like, how are we not get to that episode? Where is that girl with the red antlers? She'll be around. Well, it'll be interesting when the yellow aliens show up in the next episode. So we only have a couple more colors. That's true. Patrick, what's good in gaming? What needs to be on the radars of, uh, of our listeners? Uh, not Battlefield 2042. Wait a year. Okay. A good thing I found recently is called Chorus. I don't know if it's just on next-gen consoles, but I've been playing it a lot. Uh, you basically play as a, as a starfighter in a, in a unique universe. Very big story. But the, the gameplay is really fun, smooth starfighter combat. Uh, it's very rewarding, uh, upgrading and open world stuff. It's very unique. That's called Chorus? Chorus. Do you pilot your ship by singing? <laughs> you no, know, but the evil cult wants people to join in the chorus, quote unquote, uh, which oh. means either you, you get brainwashed and live life under them or you die. Like Verm. <laughs> yeah, do they like suck out your soul and then you pilot a giant purple monster? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. Okay.
right. Our our usual follow up question is not really going to work, but we're going to ask it anyway. <laughs> so if somebody out there really enjoyed this episode, the only one you've seen, what's something mm, else that they might uh, check out to have a similar? It doesn't experience. need to be anime related. You got to yeah. watch Metabots. 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 Metabots, season one, episode one. A lot of the same themes there. I think so. I, when I watched it when I was 10. Awesome. Kind of like Sumerian imagery in Metabots. <laughs> no, that's more Beyblade, I think. Okay, right, 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 right. Beyblade coming from the word Babylonian. <laughs> Oh man, uh, Aiden, is there anything new in your gaming life? I got something. I'm gonna try and pull it up fast. But we're back to the night, the 1990s, where there was a huge card game boom, ah. and so it's all happening on Kickstarter. 99% of these card games are not gonna survive, but there was one I went for it because it is a completely anime-inspired trading card game. Oh my gosh, did they bring back Anime Ham? No, it's it's not quite like that. Um, is it Yu-Gi-Oh? It's I not, know that. One. No, it's not Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, oh come on! <laughs> there's uh, it's got to be a little bit Yu-Gi-Oh. So there's a, a hot new trading card game called Flesh and Blood, which is a combat. Uh, you control a hero, and you're just going back and forth in like a sword fight. Uh, and so this is basically that version, but all anime art themed, all anime magic Ooh. themed. So it's called Grand Archive TCG. It Probably won't last longer than a year, but I figured I'd kickstart it just to get a feel for it. I've just been kind of following that as the community has developed, the rule book has been developed, some of the art is developed. There's a card game called Why Shorts, which is just taking takes anime IP and creates a card and has a card game out of it. Mm -hmm. And so this is different where it's uh, all original IP, uh, but it's heavily anime inspired. And the creators mm -hmm. are big time Magic the Gathering players. So the mechanics are solid because Magic the Gathering's one of the founding trading card games, highly intricate. Yeah. Students of Richard Garfield. Yes. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, <laughs> the creators, it's like three roommates. Their LLC is, so Magic the Gathering is made by Wizards of the Coast. It is, they call themselves Weebs of the Shore. Instead of Wizards oh, gosh. of the Coast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the art lo looks great. So this is uh, uh, a game that's being developed in the U.S. Yes, developed in the U.S. is being developed in the U.S. They're well over their goal, which is exciting. But with like collectible card trading games, you really have to go years to see how it does. Mm -hmm. um, is is yeah, there like a, a tiny hope that it's going to take off, and then you'll have like the first edition, like super rare Black <laughs> Lotus of this game, or something like that? That would be cool. Um, but that's that's not part of the value proposition. They don't try to like sell you on that of like get the like first edition of this like new card game that's really <laughs> going to take off. Are tradable card games the okay. new Bitcoin? They're trying to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, trying I derailed you. <laughs> but when I kickstarted, I was like, if that happens, great. Is that one of my big motivations? Because I should not use my money this way. If it is, uh, and I decided that it wasn't. Just wanted to be a part of the community, see how it develops. Aww. Yeah. Well, I really do like the artwork. Uh, and yeah, like there's on their main website, uh, there's like a floating castle that looks exactly like Eincrad from Sword Art Online. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's fun. Yeah. 
Uh, and has any new anime come across your uh, desk? I was just going to throw out, I don't dream of, or Rascal doesn't dream of Bunny Girl Senpai. Um, not necessarily this episode themed. Mm-hmm. This is more like action and aliens. And that is much sure. more the relationships. Uh, but I'll just throw out this one, Shaman King on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of just like kind of exploring like mysticalness um aliens and Mm. things that and ancient things uh it's fun it's not it's not deep it's just a fun ride yeah i've not heard of that one is it new for 2021 if it is 2021 it's either late 2020 or early 2021 okay and they have a second season going it's a shonen uh and it was just solid fun okay cool yeah i'll check that out all right so let's let's kick it off pen pen Pals, darling. All right, thank you so much.